0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to We Can Do Pod Things. I'm the Annalise one. I'm the Emily one, and this is our podcast where we talk about somebody else's podcast. Emily, tell them who we talk about the podcast
1: of Glennon Doyle, Abby Wambach, and Amanda Doyle called We Can Do Hard Things. And today we're talking about an episode that the three of them did
0: about letting go of t- some stuff. Title of today's episode. That we are reviewing was called How to Finally Let Things Go, and it was released on January 31st, 2023.
1: So, fresh into the new year, what are we hanging on to? What are we parting with?
0: Why are we doing the things that we are doing?
1: And how, why why am, am I like
0: this? Why are you the way that you are? Why do I do the things that I do? They said that and I was like, shit, I've already used that as a title for <laughs> an episode. What the hell am I going to call this mm-hmm. one? Do you have a quote of the week? Oh, I don't. I just pulled up the most recent quote that I have saved and it is by... Nate weight and it says there will pe- be people who deny your reality because they are not willing or able to be honest about their own. I like so that. So as dear Pascal says on Animal Crossing, stick that in your skillet and let it sizzle.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I- Thought you were talking about Pedro Pascal
0: no, at first. No, oh, no, that's
1: my husband. I know. But uh, when you said Dear Pascal, I thought, oh, so oh. we've adopted this pet name for him now. I'm yeah. into it. He's <laughs> my little
0: sea
1: otter. Whatever pet name you have for him is oh, probably not fra- suitable mm-hmm. for air. <laughs> not appropriate for this R rated <laughs> podcast. Where do you want to start with this one?
0: At the very beginning, Mark Annalise awkwardly singing off your bingo board. <laughs> Um, okay. So it literally, okay. So the first thing I've written down is you are the way that you are because you believe what the things that you believe. Oh yeah. I can't believe I didn't write that down, but I'm so glad that you did because that's such a good one. And this is probably going to be one of those where we just wax philosophical Mm -hmm. about a few concepts and and don't just necessarily (laughs) plow through the whole episode because I had to sit and think about that for a minute. You Mm -hmm. are the way that you are because you believe the things that you believe. And what does that even mean?
1: Well, I really liked when she kind of put it into context, saying that a lot of your resolutions that you make don't work out because you change your behavior, but you don't change anything about your beliefs. And so Mm -hmm. ultimately, your behavior Reverts back to what it was before because you never stopped believing the things that enabled that behavior to begin with.
0: Yeah. I think about Nicola LaPera beliefs are practiced thoughts. Mm-hmm. We do the things that we do. We are the way that we are because we believe the things that we believe. So if I believe that I am this person this way, I'm an Enneagram 2, I'm a shoe, I'm a shoe, I'm a shoe, <laughs> then I will behave in a way it's that in a way that that label behaves Mm -hmm. and I will not necessarily consider the option that there is an alternative Right, that I could be a hat Mm -hmm. or that I could be a three because I did, I retook the Enneagram one of them. Are you a three? I think I might actually be a three. I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. I'm a three. Um, Eclectic energy says that I am a three. So. This changes changes everything. everything. I know. I know. As did the discovery. Have we talked about this on the episode yet? I don't know. The discovery that the two, Mm -hmm. we have been saying a two in growth. Oh, yeah. Is a five. And in, in, um, in stress is an eight. But that's not how it works. Yeah, because it turns out that they don't all
1: follow the same pattern.
0: Which is rude, honestly. It is.
1: Where's the manager?
0: <laughs> very we are still excuse me, we've been waiting here for a very long time. And I'm starting to need a little trim on my hair and cut. So uh yeah. That also kind of shook it. Cause what is a two? And then so what did we figure out then? A two is a four?
1: I don't remember because Those never made a ton of sense to me in the first place. Um, So I just kind of vibe off of the individual
0: descriptions of the types. Mm -hmm. But I've never really followed the arrows. The four is the individualist. Mm -hmm. Um, I found this out because there is a fantastic Enneagram – she calls herself the Enneagram Alchemist – on instagram um her name is amy is her first name it's aligned soul co um and i will put her at instagram handle in the show notes but i had um posted something that she had posted in my story about like, hey, this is why I am this way in growth and this way in um stress. And she was actually like, um, actually, twos go to four in growth. And she was really kind about mm-hmm. it. And at first I thought it was a different person. I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't. And know I got ready, I got ready to man splain her. <laughs> and then I realized it was it was this creator. And got I got ready like, to oh, Enneagram fuck, like, explain like, her. No. <laughs> yeah, I was And then I was like, oh my God, thank you so much for pointing that out. I've I've Always thought that I was a five, mm-hmm. and I've leaned really heavily into that. And so, so now
1: that your beliefs have changed, what does that change about
0: everything else? Yeah, the world is my oyster. Uh huh. But once we, and this also reminds me of the book Atomic Habits. Um, I can't remember the name of the guy that wrote it at this moment, but um, you can't. It's it's about how to it's about real behavior change mm-hmm. and how do we make behavior change stick or how do we really change our habits?
1: So is Glennon on to something? Yeah. Does the book sort of reaffirm what she's saying? Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Um, it's and it, it's not novel. Mm-hmm. It is not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. But this is this is true, and we talk about this. We've even talked about this on this mm-hmm. podcast. It's not just the why; it's the it's the why under the why. It's not just the tool. It's the root of the thing. It's
1: another one of those things that has been there the whole time. <laughs> no, And then somebody says it, and it's like you're seeing it for the first time in your life. Yeah. I or a- hearing it
0: with brand new ears. I had a conversation with someone this morning where he said something, and he was like, that's not a new concept. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not groundbreaking. And I was like, I know sometimes we just, when we say them out loud, mm-hmm. we're like, oh, it, that's that integrating yeah. that we learned about last week. Mm-hmm. When, we, when we're when we saying, and it's not just being in our heads, it's saying it out loud and getting into our hearts or our spirits or yeah. whatever it is that integrating the idea and that right. speaking these things out loud. Something, It's just of course it makes sense mm-hmm. once you say it all together. Yeah. Imagine how long it just sits bouncing around in our brains before we finally say it out loud and put the pieces together.
1: That's Imagine what else is bouncing around in there right now.
0: Right? Imagine a world where I talk even more. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's everyone's nightmare come true. Um, willpower and discipline don't last because it's not real. She mm-hmm. said that and I was like, whoo, that's a hot take. Let me think about that. And I did. I I, I thought about – because willpower and discipline are both presented as admirable traits mm-hmm. and um, things that we should strive for that we're supposed to build up in our kids. Mm-hmm. Self-discipline and willpower, but they're not real. Mm-hmm. What's your take on that?
1: My take on that is that I need more time to think about mm. a take on that. Mm-hmm. I
0: think – Two things can be true. Mm-hmm. I think that at the end of the day, though, willpower and discipline don't last because they're not maybe realistic. Mm-hmm. That we can have willpower and discipline and then be good tools and, and use them and they can have real effects. Mm-hmm. But as a tool for behavior change, it, perhaps it's more like using a shoe for a hammer. Yeah. Um. Because she talks about I pretend like I believe that and then I practice the new belief. That That is how you actually change. It's not just the – They happen
1: in tandem. Right. You have to do the doing and think the thinking. It's the same
0: way that we <laughs> have to apparently heal and make mm-hmm. adult friendships is we have to be working on our own self-love and God. our own shit in order to how the hell are we going to love anybody else. And willpower and discipline don't take that into – account because Mm -hmm. it's just a grin and bear it, nose to the grindstone, all those other pull you up by your bootstraps sort of phrases where it's a a saying like, we don't like this. We don't like going to the gym, but we're just going to do it anyways. Mm -hmm. Instead of getting curious and saying, why don't we like going to the gym? Mm -hmm. How do we like going to the gym? Yeah. What kind of a, why do I want to go to the gym and what kind of a person do I want to be? Mm -hmm. And what are the characteristics of that person? And how do I reframe Mm -hmm. that in through the lens of attending the gym?
1: Yeah.
0: I loved how um, Abby talked about her. I think it was, it was about the gym that going to the gym for her was always kind of like a a punitive thing, like a punishment. It was Mm -hmm. like about punishing her body. Yeah. It wasn't about celebrating it. And I was just like, Movement for fun mm-hmm. and enjoyment. And doing – that was when I was able to connect a little bit more with my like fitness experience or mm-hmm. whatever was I stopped running out of hate for my body and I started running out of love mm-hmm. for my body because I, I was doing it because it felt good, not because I was trying to change it. Mm-hmm. And that was when it really became doable for me. And that is, that's, that is this personified. Yeah. That's the change in the belief. The belief mm-hmm. isn't that I'm a horrible, flawed person and I need to run and running is the only way that I change myself from something less valuable to something more valuable. Running is the way that I show myself how much more valuable I am mm-hmm. because I am valuable and I take care of it. So, I mean, yeah, like basically I've been saying that for a few years now. <clears throat> so if anyone invented it, it's probably. me. She also talks you about. didn't get the trademark in time. I know. Um, she also talks about living in discipline versus living in integrity. And living in discipline is overriding what I want. And to me that says self-abandonment. Mm-hmm. Living in discipline is that whole, I hate going to the gym, but I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah. And.
1: It's also like following a set of rules because you think that the rules are going to keep you safe. That's oh, what it makes me think of. I
0: love – say more about that.
1: Because you know, Glennon talks about I create all these rules and all these systems around myself because I'm terrified of existing in the world. Mm. It never feels safe to me. So I convince myself that if I follow these rules that they will keep me safe, but they don't keep me safe.
0: Right. And you know what that makes me think of? OCD. mm yeah and a lot of the rules that we can create for our own safety that then on the on the outside can appear very like nonsensical or mm-hmm. the point where it's like you know knock three times and then walk through the door twice and then wash your hands five times and then um it's that it very much is that kind of same thing though, like and it isn't about the
1: doing, it's about the thought the ritual the belief
0: the automation
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, um. It also makes me think of Mm self-abandonment and how that's me in the spotlight, losing my (laughs) self-trust. Remix. In order to really recognize that, though, and buy into this idea that living in discipline may not be all that it's cut out to be. I think requires us to have some self-awareness and some mindfulness about our body Mm -hmm. and the physical sensations in our body. And I go back to a conversation that I had with someone about who didn't really want to, who was maintaining a friendship out of kind of a sense of. Dutifulness. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and me saying like, okay, but how does it feel in your body when you think about going to hang out with that person? And they were like, I can't, I can't access that. Mm -hmm. I can't put an, I can't name that Well, does it feel good or does it feel bad? Well, it doesn't feel good. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what is that telling you? Right. If it doesn't feel good, do you think you really want to do it? And that of course shut down the whole conversation because that was just more work than that person was able to do. And that's fine. They Mm -hmm. hit their limit and that was, that was their boundary. And that's, that's fine. It's hard for me who has, who has always been hyper aware Mm -hmm. of so many sensations in my body and my feelings to wrap my mind around that concept of the emptiness or being able to like, look, overlook that. What do you mean you don't know Mm -hmm. how it feels? But then I started thinking, and we talked about this at a, a doctor appointment I'd had recently where she had my my doctor asked like if there was any pain there, and I was like, "No, not really." and then I was like, "But you know what? Actually, last night while I was getting ready for bed, I was thinking, "If I actually stop and scan my body at any given moment, what am I ignoring mm-hmm. And I've been ignoring pain in this area for so long, and I think that a lot of women do because it is chronic, and it is something that we just deal with right i I do a little bit." know what it's like to not even realize when I'm in pain. Mm -hmm. Emotional pain versus physical pain. Yeah. And I wonder if that's gendered.
1: I can imagine that it might be
0: to some degree. That physical pain is something men are more socially able to be aware of rather than emotional pain. Mm -hmm. Not that they're allowed to complain about it, but just that It's something they're allowed to focus on and be aware of and harness versus women. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's a thought. Yeah. Does anyone else have any thoughts about that? If you do, you can write us (laughs) at podthingspodcast at gmail.com. Or perhaps we can sucker Justin into – sitting for an episode and we can get a real man's idea on the side. I bet we could. I'm sure. We, I know we've discussed. Mm-hmm. Hey, so if you guys want to hear Emily's hot Justin husband <laughs> on the podcast <laughs> stumbling through this, let us know. Again, our email address is podthingspodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram. When we our, were talking about um... – do we Should we tell them our Instagram handle? Oh, yeah. We should do that. At we can do pod things with underscores between the words. Mm -hmm. Okay. When we were talking about um,
1: how we sometimes construct systems around us Mm -hmm. or follow all these rules in order to keep ourselves safe, it made me think of a person who called in later. Mm -hmm. Did you get to this? Where she talked about, I am always safe.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm
1: letting go of the idea that I am unsafe in the world or unsafe in these situations because I am always with myself keeping myself Mm. safe wherever I am. Whatever is happening externally, I'm always safe.
0: I need that Mm -hmm. like I need air at this point in time in my life. And it is something that I talk about with Laura and it is something that I think about a lot. And even yesterday, I had planned to take the afternoon off. I told everybody, well, I told almost everyone. I forgot to tell my one client, who's also my friend, who was like, okay, good, because um, I really didn't have time for you to come over tonight <laughs> anyway. So it worked out.
1: It's um, so nice when you have to cancel plans and the other person is like, thank oh, God. God.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I have all the abilities. It's not going to affect my life mm-hmm. at all. No one's upset. It doesn't affect the way I get paid. It's not, but I was just so anxious Mm -hmm. and upset with myself and uncomfortable and in a state of panic yesterday. Um, I was doing a thing that I was so excited to do, Mm -hmm. going to see people I was so excited to see. And I felt completely unsafe the entire day Mm -hmm. Up, up until the point that I got to the music venue. Yeah. And then I was just like, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And I tried to tell myself that during the day too. Like I did all the reparenting bullshit where I like put my hand over my heart mm-hmm. and I'm taking deep breaths and I'm going, I know you're scared, Annalise. I know little Annalise is scared. I know that you think you're doing something wrong, but you're not. You're mm-hmm. not doing anything wrong. You're safe and no one's mad at you. Doing you're allowed ISS, to do the IFS where you
1: acknowledge that part of you yes. that feels this type of way Comes you have a table. seat at the table
0: and even not little Annalise but shitty Annalise who's like you're gonna fuck this up and you're and you're you're dumb for even doing this and in the, the super critical who exists because she believes that she's protecting mm-hmm. even acknowledging her and not even being like shut up bitch but being like Hey, I hear what you're saying. I know that you are saying that because you're you're trying to protect us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate that you want to protect us. But one, that sort of language is not we don't have to use mm-hmm. that anymore. And two, I need you to trust me that like like I got this under control. Yeah. All that bullshit didn't work, FYI. Mm-hmm. None of it worked. It I was anxious throughout the entire day. <laughs> and it really does and This circles back to therapy with Laura, comes back to this whole self-trust and being safe Yeah, amongst myself, with myself. And she said, I am an adult with
1: agency. I have a car and a credit card. I am never stuck.
0: Uh I have a savings account. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have a ton of money in it. Yeah. Because that's where a lot of my panic and my um, lack of safety for whatever reason – is around money. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you could go out and spend this dollar amount of money, which is like 10 times probably what you need to be spending. And you're not going to lose your house. Mm -hmm. You're not going to lose your car. You're not going to have your power cut off or any of these things. You're fine. Yeah. You really are safe and you are an adult and you have funds. And even at that, and even if I do... Spend all of my money. I have zero dollars in savings, zero dollars in checking, zero dollars squirreled away in this pocket and that pocket. I have resources. Mm-hmm. I have. It's not a long term solution, and it's not something that I want to, you know, like plan on being like, "Hey, I'm like going to borrow a couple hundred bucks." <laughs> but I, there are people in my life, and not everyone has this, but I have this, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna be okay. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Believe I am safe rather than the opposite being true that I have to protect myself at any given point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was listening to every, uh, every morning to convince myself to get out of bed. I listened to this very short daily podcast called killer psyche daily, um, a former FBI profiler. And she was the head psychiatric nurse at one of the big hospital teaching hospitals in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, she has a, a podcast about serial killers or um, psychopaths or sociopaths or whatever. She, like, helped arrest uh, Ted Kaczynski and stuff Why start
1: your day with serial when you could start your day with serial killers? That should
0: really be their (laughs) new tagline. Um, So, Candace, if you're listening, (laughs) you can have it. Just credit us a little bit. Um, She was talking this morning about the uh, workplace shooting that just happened recently. Uh and tips for people to protect ourselves in that situation and the, how we should always have a getaway plan basically, mm-hmm. which I don't know a single millennial adult alive. Well, we're I think we're all adults at this point. I don't know a single millennial alive who hasn't stood in the grocery line which we don't even have to do really anymore but like stood in the grocery line and plotted if someone comes in here with a gun and starts shooting how do i get out like i think that's just a thing that we naturally do when i move do. into a new office i don't have a window to the outside
1: which is a thing that concerns me <laughs> and how fucked up is that that that's a thing that
0: you have to even think we about we live
1: in a world where we have to think about that no, we don't live in a world where we have to think about that. We live in a country uh-huh. where we have to think about
0: that. I like that reframing. Mm-hmm. And that also kind of just goes back to the point where we should be changing. Perhaps it might be worth a thought of when it comes to preventing school shootings. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying gun control is bad or that it is I, – I, I'm completely Switzerland on it but also maybe we need to be changing our beliefs about the why under the shooting. Mm -hmm. And instead of accepting and believing that school shootings are inevitable unless we just remove all guns from everyone's access, maybe we need to be changing (laughs) our belief from we can prevent shootings by taking care of, mental wellness and emotional regulation and emotional competency mm-hmm. in our kids. But that's just a crazy thought. I don't know. We've talked about that before, and, and that's not my novel thought. That's Sue Klebold and actually Secret. I learned this too. The Secret Service actually has the uh, largest database on um, <sighs> research on shooters. Oh, that was on Actually Killer Psyche. That's where I learned that from. Mm-hmm. The Secret Service is actually the one that has the largest database of research and statistics on the why behind shooters. Mm-hmm. And that's where the um, one of the quotes from American Tragedy that always gets me so much where it's like only 50% of the people who commit murder are suicidal, but 100% of the people – or only half of the people who commit suicide are homicidal, but one hundred percent of the people ninety nine percent of the people who commit homicide are also suicidal, or something like mm-hmm. that. I always get it messed up, and I really just need to memorize it. But when framed that way, it kind of was like, oh shit, we' are looking ca- correlation does not equal causation. We are looking maybe at the wrong source. So maybe we need to be changing our beliefs about that so that we can just flip this on its head instead of thinking that it's destined to be like this, mm-hmm. maybe we need to be looking for the alternative. Yeah.
1: Invest in mental health, but also in the meantime, just lock up your damn guns. Yeah, there's
0: uh, I'm not saying you can't have true. them, just lock them right. up. That's all. Yeah, and let me be clear I'm not out here saying like everybody should have one in their possession at all times, have as many as you want. Uh, just give them to store your kids, them safely. give them to your grandmas and, and papas. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's more than It's nuanced. one way to eat a Reese's. <laughs> So she talked about living in discipline and that whole overriding what I want, self-abandonment thing versus living in integrity where it's matching your wants to your insides was how she put it, where it was more instead of overriding what I want, figuring out what I want and how to make that work for me Mm -hmm. rather in in that I think goes back to that goes back to the Instead of I I want a person that goes to the gym. What is it that I actually want about out of it? I want to feel healthy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Does going to the gym align with that? How do I make what I do at the gym align with that? Mm-hmm. Maybe if my goal is to feel good about myself, I shouldn't be running on the treadmill or thinking that I'm going to go in there and run on the treadmill at a 10 miles per hour speed for two hours. Like, some people, that does make their body feel good. Mm-hmm. I personally know that does not make my body feel good. It's not realistic. And I'm never going to want to go in the gym if I think that that's what healthy looks like. Right. For me, healthy looks a little bit more like lifting and sitting in the sauna and warming up my muscles and my joints and then doing some yoga and stretching and leaning into that pain mm-hmm. instead of leaning into the pain and the suffering and the misery of running super fast for my little legs for two hours. hmm If I want to be a person, we're redefining healthy. And that there's a book called How to Raise an Adult. I'm into this. Did you – have you – what's your thoughts on that? Um,
1: I often relate to the things that Amanda says about her experience of motherhood, Mm. what it's like for her. Um, I believe this came up because one of the people who called in said, I'm going to stop being someone who – takes statements, and turns them into problems. Mm-hmm. And not just problems, but problems that I am responsible for. Mm-hmm. If, a, if somebody comes to me, if one of my kids comes to me and says, I know this kid at school and I don't think they like me. Mm-hmm. This was an example that Glennon gave. Mm-hmm. Her daughter perceived that this girl at school didn't like her. Mm-hmm. And the first time she said it, Glennon was... Rapid firing all these solutions. Well, we can invite her over. Here's what we can do. We're gonna change. We're gonna flip this around. We're gonna make her like you. Mm-hmm. And then many years later, after Glennon had done some work, the same thing happened. And her daughter said, "This girl at my school. I don't think she likes me." And Glennon said something like,
0: "That just sounds like a fact." Mm-hmm. I think. I think Amanda talked about. Or maybe it was the original caller, the kid coming in and saying, I can't find my shoes.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Meaning, my shoes are not on your face, mom.
0: Right. (laughs) I haven't looked anywhere else. And also,
1: I'm looking at your face and my shoes aren't there.
0: Saying that as a way of of communicating that they have a problem without actually saying they have a problem. Mm -hmm. And the emotional work that that puts on the listener to intuit oh, you can't find your shoes and and you need me to do it for you. Right,
1: right. The assumption here is I'm going to say this to you and then you are going to take this ball and run
0: with it. Yeah, and you know and what? And before
1: too long, I'll have my shoes.
0: It makes me think about how I often, especially when I was really starting this journey, had a hard time asking for what I actually wanted. Mm-hmm. And recognizing how manipulative I would be in my language to get what I wanted instead of just coming out and saying, mm-hmm. I need attention. I'd be like, oh, yeah, my back is sore. <laughs> you know, whatever. Like saying something not even like passive aggressive, mm-hmm. but just not just coming out and saying it's baiting. it. It's baiting. Exactly. And it's manipulative mm-hmm. and it's emotionally manipulative and and – Well, look at that. Now I'm teaching my kid to do that by unintentionally. And there are times when they're
1: not baiting you. Right. They are just coming to you legitimately making a statement.
0: And then we are the ones turning it Mm. into a problem by reacting in the way that we do. I didn't even interpret it that way. I interpreted it as me rushing in to solve all my kids' problems Mm -hmm. rather than just letting them sit with the discomfort of – an inconvenient fact. Or perhaps they're not even uncomfortable. They oh.
1: just said
0: this thing and
1: because it made us uncomfortable, mm. we said that's a problem
0: mm-hmm. and a solution must be found. Right. Teaching her that someone not liking you is a problem. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't necessarily strike her as being a problem right. until mom started saying that mm-hmm. it was a problem. Hmm. Yeah. It, but you know what? I really thought that story was going to be the Liz Gilbert. Do you want to be approachable? Yeah. <laughs> then good job, honey. Do you want to be approached? No. <laughs> well, then good job. I wonder when she had that conversation with Liz, if it was before or after she had that conversation with her daughter. Yeah. Because I, it is the same context. Uh-huh. That's the same message. Well, we just keep learning the same things over and over it again. It does take a minute. Mm-hmm. For things to settle in, and I'm um, there are still some things that haven't quite settled in yet in within me that are taking more repetition. And sometimes things will settle in,
1: and then over time they just kind of evaporate if we don't stay vigilant, mm, and then we learn them again.
0: The jar is not airtight. Yeah, it's a
1: process. It's not a destination.
0: That's very Henry David Thoreau. Um, Amanda also talks about what is and what isn't my job. What is my job? It's not to solve their problems. My job is to support them learning how to solve them independently. Mm-hmm. If we've said it once, we've said it a thousand times via Marissa G. Franco and others that we just need to guide our kids and sit in the dark with them. And not even just our kids, but in the, within the context of parenting here. We don't have to solve our kids' problems. We don't have to protect our kids from pain. We can't, in fact, do either of those things all of the time. Mm -hmm. And doing it is more of a disservice to them. And that was something else that she um, talked about later of changing kind of the definition of your success or how you're doing your job. If I'm redefining that my job is instead of... That whole modeling negative self talk for Mm -hmm. our kids instead of modeling that, then we can model positive self talk. And also, if we don't show our kids us having problems and Mm -hmm. solving problems and being wrong and apologizing, then we're actually that is actually the opposite of being a good parent Mm -hmm. because in order to be a good parent, we have to prepare our kids for the inevitable. The Inevitable is going to be that they are going to have to apologize. They're going to fuck up. They're going to do things wrong. And if they think that they're, that their parents never had to, then they're going to think that there's something wrong with mm-hmm. them. And they're not going to have a model for what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And so that's really being a good parent is being, is, is not about being perfect. It's about modeling imperfection. Yep. Yeah.
1: Well, Again, by you that, that standard, fucking by that standard, I am killing the game. <laughs> See, it's that easy. I liked when they talked about the overfunctioner mm. and the under functioner.
0: Mm-hmm. that's a bit that's also a um brene Brown concept mm-hmm. as well.
1: And what I really like about it is the realization that it is not just. Inconvenient for the overfunctioner to feel like they have to do all the work for everyone. Hmm. It is hurtful mm-hmm. to the underfunctioner mm-hmm. who is getting this message that I can't do this thing right. That's why my partner always has to do this thing.
0: It keeps us enmeshed in a cycle of codependence. Mm-hmm.
1: And then the overfunctioner often feels resentment. And to the underfunctioner, that feels like betrayal mm-hmm. because it's like, I thought we had this unspoken deal that you were always the one who was going to unload the dishwasher or load the dishwasher because I don't do it right. And now you're mad at me because I don't load the dishwasher, but every time I try to do it, you tell me it's wrong.
0: Ooh, this is also very avoidant and... um anxious.
1: Mhm.
0: This is the avoidant anxious dance that we do, the avoidant and anxious get along because the anxious overfunctions mm-hmm. and the avoidant underfunctions and then but then the anxious gets upset that they are always having to overfunction and then gets upset with the o- the avoidant and so then the avoidant gets upset with the anxious because mm-hmm. like this is what we do. Right. You can't just
1: move the goalpost on me like that.
0: Yeah, like I, we had this. I thought this was our understanding that you do this, you lead, and I follow, Mm -hmm. and and I never have to lead. And for both of those types
1: who need trust Mm. in order to be secure,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you're not establishing any trust
0: when you're in that cycle. You know, my favorite thing about avoidance and and anxious. Is that they seem like opposites, but they're the same coin mm-hmm. of abandonment. They're mm-hmm. both their damage, their primal fear. What's your damage, primal, Heather? Primal, primal <laughs> damage. Primal damage. <laughs> primal panic. What is your damage? <laughs> their primal panic is abandonment. Mm-hmm. One is that you're gonna abandon me, and the other is that I'm gonna abandon me.
1: And also, one is you're going to abandon me, so I need to cling to you. That's it. Yeah. And you're going to abandon me, so I'm not going to let you <clears throat> get, even get close to me. I yes. won't let it happen. Yep.
0: It's, yeah, it's both about abandonment. and mm-hmm. It's just the two opposite ends of the spectrum on how we try to prevent abandonment in such an ineffective, flawed an inefficient way. Mm-hmm. And
1: all of that happened over the dishwasher. You know, these things happen in, s- in a million ways every day. I don't
0: want you to do the dishes. I want you to want to do <laughs> the dishes. Right. I've said it once I've said it a thousand mm-hmm. times that scene in that movie like my ex-husband was like please stop watching that movie because it would get me so angry <laughs> because it's true it's like a, it, but if I'm not communicating the, then the the responsibility then falls back on me though to go I need to to be asking for my needs to be met I need to communicate that to you instead of expecting you to read my mind mm-hmm. yeah One of the things that Glennon said that I really had to stop and think about where she talked is talking about when we are reevaluating our worth after our adjusting our identity and role, and that going back to the I am a person who hears I'm I'm adjusting the way that I look at my identity as a mother instead of hearing facts and making them into problems Mm -hmm. that I have to solve. I'm just. I'm not a problem solver. Mm -hmm. I'm a fact listener.
1: Did you hear when Amanda took that notion and she said, or you reframe it as I am solving this problem if I imagine that the problem is that potentially my kid is going to grow up not learning how to look for their own damn shoes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I am solving that problem Mm -hmm. by letting them look for their own shoes. Yes,
0: because you're in that. Yes, because you're. I'm paraphrasing. Not only (laughs) are we tapping into this idea that for me was kind of a little like thought provoking of my identity, changing my identity and how that might affect my worth, especially as how what women are, are taught by society or how we're raised to believe where our worth or our value lie but you're also adjust ad, you're adjusting your definition mm-hmm. of the of success yeah. or of the job or of the role. If you're my just job
1: digging into the deeper value underneath yeah. it all.
0: If my, my job is not to solve your problems, my job is to help you mm-hmm. learn how to solve your problems. Yeah. Um but that whole thing about adjusting your identity and your role and reevaluating your worth. Okay. So if my life I have been Going along, believing that I have value and that my worth is tied in my ability to solve other people's problems, and I stop doing that, and I change my identity to be one that is listening to problems or listening to facts. That can be confusing Mm -hmm. because I still believe my worth is tied up in my value. To you mean I'm not an Enneagram
1: Two anymore, right? What
0: the fuck am I? What am I supposed to do if I'm not a helper? (laughs) How do I enthusiasm? Mm -hmm. Like how do I be a you know, whatever one of the other ones are. Mm-hmm. I, could, I couldn't even tell you because my identity is wrapped so much in being a helper. Um,
1: well, one of them is the peacemaker.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think it's easy to jump from being the helper to being the peacemaker. Yeah, for sure.
0: Or right next to it's the uh, perfectionist. I mm-hmm. can handle that yeah. one too. But yeah. yeah. If, I, if I think about what are the things – that are holding me back the most right now. And I it's no secret that it is that I am that I am still struggling with my identity of who I am as an adult as someone who is independent and unpartnered and what does that look like for me and is that my identity and is that something that I want to be for the rest of my life and like What might that other person look like? All those things. And the current belief system that I have that if there's someone out there for me, it looks like this specific thing, Mm -hmm. and that I'm not going to find that specific thing in anyone else. If my identity is wrapped up in that, it leaves no ability for me to grow into and, and, Kind of like manifest the alternative. Mm-hmm. So if ma- if I'm ch- if I change my measurement and I change my de- the definition of my role or my expectations, then that is a new way of looking at my problem.
1: If you were to change that, what might you want to change it to? I'm so glad
0: you asked <laughs> because it goes back to that. What do I want to be? Mm-hmm. Where do I wanna be? Or what is it that I value? Or what are the what what is it that I value? What makes me feel good? What do I want more of? Instead of trying to build the picture of this, of what I think is perfect, what do I want? Mm-hmm. And who are the people that emulate that? What do they do? But also what kind of characteristics do I, does this kind of person need to have?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that gives me like some – that gives me some specific, behavior-specific stuff to look at. Looking and, at it like a researcher or like an anthropologist. Right. Rather than – well, I don't know. I like this thing about one person and this thing about – and this thing and I like – or like this is the close – this – The most boxes that have ever been checked is this person. And so I just want someone like this person. Mm -hmm. If I'm going out there and looking for, I want somebody who's attracted to this type of person. I want somebody because this is the type of person that I want to be. That being sounding like it's going to be way more productive and fulfilling and, and it's something that you have control over. Yes. And it's a back to the control, the living in discipline versus living in integrity. Living in discipline is like that whole external, like- Giving control to a set of rules or a system and you're just a soldier for that set of yes, rules or that system. Versus integrity, which is internal. And mm-hmm. what I decide what I want mm-hmm. and and what behaviors I exhibit in order to get what I want. Mm-hmm. It's in it's con- belonging. Versus fitting in. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I've really thought a lot about and I'll probably end up journaling a little bit about later. <clears throat> because I don't know, like like we said at the very beginning of this podcast, it, it's not until you hear the words out loud mm-hmm. that you really are able to put it together. Or sometimes for me anyways. Sometimes yeah. just hearing the words out loud and then speaking them out loud myself is integrating all of that to where I'm like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It never was that serious.
1: <laughs> they Le- had a caller who talked about um, not standing in the presence of racism, sexism, all of these things that happen a lot of times in just microaggressions mm-hmm. around us. Mm-hmm. And doing the polite thing mm-hmm. and
0: just not saying anything about mm-hmm. it. I have that written down too. Um, politeness. I have written down. Politeness is not just a tool for undermining other people's safety, which is something that they they talked about. And it's very Sonya Renee Taylor mm-hmm. and the latter. And, and my proximity to power is dependent on – the exploitation or the oppression of the person on the rung beneath me. I'm prioritizing a system Mm -hmm. over a person. Exactly. A system that doesn't even care about me. Right. So not only does politeness facilitate that and it enables that system to continue, but it's also a tool for manipulation Mm -hmm. because I'm manipulating the environment and controlling the comfort level of the other person. And holding myself accountable for keeping them comfortable Mm -hmm. and also manipulating them so that they don't have the opportunity to act towards me in a way that I just don't want to receive. Mm -hmm. In that way, politeness doesn't seem like it's really all that something we should be aspiring to.
1: And it made me think about all of the training that we get from the time we're little, about how to be polite. Mm
0: -hmm. And we get
1: none of the training, at least not nearly to the same extent, about how to have difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it was so helpful when Amanda said, you know, sometimes you just repeat it back to them. Yes, I have that. That's a thing that you can do. Reflect back words that didn't sit right. When you don't know what else to say, as many of us don't, because we've never practiced it, we know how to say please and thank you and do all of those things. We've never practiced what to say when somebody says something that is culturally violent. Mm-hmm.
0: I think the example she used was, so you yell at your team when they're not running fast enough and tell them that they're acting like a bunch of girls. hmm and just reflecting that back on the other person and them hearing their own words. Mm-hmm. Or Glennon said, you can ask them, explain that. I'm not sure I
1: understand that. Tell me why you said that thing or I, explain that thing to me.
0: I think that phrase has become a little bit weaponized mm-hmm. because it is so uh, such an effective tool. I know I've I've it's been around for a while of like when someone tells like a sexist or a racist joke, being mm-hmm. like, I don't get the joke. Can you explain it to me? Mm-hmm. And – Initially, that was like helpful. And then now you could genuinely be asking someone to explain to you the joke, and they might make the assumption that you're intentionally Mm
1: -hmm.
0: meaning something else. And you know what? Is that manipulative? Maybe they do.
1: And so, you know what I mean? Like, if you hear me repeat it back to you and that feels like I'm being abrasive, that's. Maybe you stepped into a situation yes. where you need somebody to be pushing up against you.
0: I really like the reflecting back their language mm-hmm. rather than asking them to do the work. Yeah. Um, which is not a, to say that that's a horrible thing. And you should never do that. Because mm-hmm. again, as I've said a couple times, it's an effective tool. Reflecting back the word that they use. That you just said these. All I'm doing is repeating the exact same words that you just said to me. So there's nothing for you. There's nothing you have to infer. It's literally just the words that you said. Yeah.
1: And it all comes down to what do you want from the interaction? Mm. If you want it to be what maybe leads to productive conversation and a quote unquote teachable moment or some kind of realization, then you use a certain kind of tone. If you want it to be maybe this person leaves this interaction feeling like a jackass and Maybe I'm okay with them leaving this conversation mm-hmm. feeling like a jackass because mm-hmm. there's a time and a place for that too. Yeah. It's called
0: accountability. Let yeah. It up, sweaty. Yeah.
1: So you just choose your own adventure. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I really like thinking too about what wh- what do you want to get out of this conversation and that being an internal control versus external control kind of thought too. Mm-hmm. What's my goal out of this conversation? is my goal to make you do something Mm -hmm. or make you feel a certain kind of way? Cause that's more the external sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Or is my goal to ensure that I'm living within the integrity Mm -hmm. of my values and I, that I go to sleep tonight knowing that I was had integrity. I really liked it too, that the
1: caller said, if I slip up and I don't, Call it out, then I make a commitment to myself that I'm going to call it out as soon as possible.
0: When I inevitably relapse into politeness, Mm -hmm. and I loved the grace that she had when she talked about that too, because we all know relapse is a part of recovery and it's not just about substance use it's all of the other ways that we try to recover from or heal from or change the behaviors relapse is a part of that and we're going to go back because you don't just the, the you don't just fire a couple neurons new way a couple times and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it erases all your old programming that's not how it works um so and then not getting so upset with ourselves when we do relapse mm-hmm. and just going i know it's going to happen so here's my plan mm-hmm. for when it does. Yeah, because it's inevitable. Yeah, we um have a slightly shorter episode this week for you guys, and I know that it came a week late. <laughs> <laughs> but true, true words like we we are doing our best here to make time for ourselves and for our for our listeners, for you all, uh, thirteen countries that we are currently in and also take care of our families and our own physical health at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we may be a little bit more sporadic over the next couple weeks, but then I imagine we'll probably get into a real good routine when school's out. I hope so. Me too.
1: When we're not doing this regularly, know that we miss doing this regularly. Yes. and But no, life is lifing.
0: Our children miss us doing this regularly <laughs> as yeah. well. Um, Emily, do you have any final thoughts?
1: Um, I do. Just that so many of these things that women called in about wanting to let go were essentially saying the same thing, that I have realized I need to let go of this idea of a perfect woman and what that should look like. An ideal woman who is polite, who looks out for the comfort of everyone else. The Proverbs thirty one selfless.
0: Yes. Did we talk about that? I forget if we if it made it into the, the podcast. That my latest EDM EDM EMDR torture for Laura was um her reading the entire chapter of Proverbs. We talked about 31. doing the the songs yeah so i talked about that that you got to the verses, and now i've gotten i got to where i I asked her to read the entire chapter of proverbs 31 while i was receiving emdr Mm -hmm. brain stimulation and her just being like
1: just so you know
0: this is not my favorite (laughs) and i totally respect her boundaries and like we're we I thank you not, laura thank you laura for taking we one for the team you. and i won't make you read the whole bible to me in emdr session that unless one, you really really want to i i get the feeling <laughs> that she really really doesn't want to but um yeah probably one woman mm-hmm. reading that and really listening to it and in. It's that same thing. What is an ideal woman? What is, what is a righteous woman? Mm-hmm. What is the best wife? What is the best mother? What is the best... And spoiler alert, it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. It's all... Whether it's
1: Christian or just whatever
0: patriarchy. It's all just a
1: standard for upholding patriarchy and white supremacy and all of those things that we've all decided we don't want.
0: Yeah. Because who does it serve? We voted. What is it good for? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Thank you guys so much for listening, for coming back. And you know what? I'm, I, I want to say this. We talked about all of these women that had called in saying what are the things that they wanted to let go of and um, the beliefs that they want to change. And I know for a fact, Emily, I have gotten more feedback from men mm-hmm. than women about listening to this podcast i have received more comments from men that appreciate this podcast and and the questions that it asks them so josiah craig matt any other fellas out there that i know are listening justin what are some things that you guys want to let go of that you yeah. feel like the patriarchy, or society, or and if you're not ready to call it out as being patriarchy, but just something in general that men, that especially, serve
1: you and doesn't
0: serve the world. Yeah, doesn't serve men. Mm-hmm. What are some of those things that you're feeling like challenging? Y'all, ha- you know how to get a hold of me, so let us know. And even if your name isn't Craig, Josiah, Matt, Justin any of the other names that I may or may not Yeah, we could
1: cast a little wider net than those five names, I guess. More
0: than just those few people are allowed. And even if you're not male, if you're non-binary, if you're female, regardless of your gender orientation, we welcome all of your feedback. But also I know that there are a lot of people who identify as men that listen to this podcast and have some feedback for me. So like hit me with that because we want to hear, we want to know. Yeah. So having said that, Thank you guys so much for listening. I'm Annalise. I'm Emily. And this has been We Could Do Pod Things.